So did Katherine Hahn get way hotter after WandaVision for anyone else? Oh, just me? Okay. Welcome to the McNair Monologues. We are back for episode three and picking off the comment about WandaVision. I did want to talk a little bit about Marvel. So WandaVision did just finish not too long ago. Um, very good show. There are a few things that I wish were done a little better or a little differently, but I will try my best to uh, make sure that I don't spoil anything. I think when a show is this fresh, we still got to give people time to uh, live their lives and catch up whenever they can. So no spoilers, please. But I did enjoy it for the most part. I did think Katherine Hahn's character, Agnes, was a show stealer. Very, very good. Very good performance. Um, but yeah, good show. I'll admit, I did not expect it to go the way that it did. Um, I was also talking some pretty cash shit about Disney on the last episode, but I gotta say they surprised me. They definitely surprised me. With WandaVision being over, Falcon and Winter Soldier is starting up here soon. Um, I'm hoping that Falcon and Winter Soldier kind of keeps the torch. Um, WandaVision really had people like theory crafting, really involved, really active, and the memes were fantastic. Oh, all the Vision memes, oh my God. Um, I definitely think that uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier has some work cut out for it. I do think it's going to be a different type of show, but I am hoping that um, it does manage to maintain that level of entertainment that we got out of WandaVision. So if you haven't seen it yet, the most recent trailer, like the final trailer for Falcon and Winter Soldier dropped. Um, so in that trailer, I think there is a little bit to dissect. I'll be honest, I'm not a huge trailer dissector. I'll watch, pick up a couple of things, but for the most part, I just want to see the shit. Like, I'm not going to spend all that time theory crafting and then have my feelings hurt because the movie didn't live up to my, or the show or whatever, didn't live up to my idea. And even though it was probably good, it didn't do what I thought it was going to do. So now I'm in my feelings about it and I didn't enjoy it. Nah, 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 nah. I'm not doing any of that. But for Falcon and Winter Soldier, I did notice that um, there is a point in the trailer where it looks like we see the character U.S. Agent. Now, I have to be careful here. Because I know all the super duper comic book stands are ready to red ink the fuck out of me if I'm incorrect here. I am not a super duper comic book stand. I apologize in advance if I am slightly incorrect here. But I'm doing my best. So, U.S. Agent is... Hmm, for lack of better phrasing, U.S. Agent is what happens if you take the Captain America serum plus modern patriotism minus everything that actually makes Captain America a hero and throw that into some new white guy. <laughs> and that's how we get US agent. And so I'm really interested to see how that pans out. Cause my theory on how the Falcon and Winter Soldier is going to be played out, maybe not the whole thing, but I think one of the, one of the key things that we're going to see is, um, the Falcon was, 
if for whatever reason you have not seen Endgame yet, or any of the fucking trailers, or I don't know, stumbled into a random fucking comment section on YouTube, Cap retires and gives uh, Sam the Falcon his shield. At some point in the comics, Falcon does become Captain America, so it makes sense that the MCU is kind of going into that. I do think that for most of Falcon and Winter Soldier, Falcon's not actually going to have the shield. I think he's maybe going to try and get busy with it in the beginning when he first gets it. I think he's going to ultimately decide to not keep it. And I think that's how U.S. Soldier is going to get a hold of it. Or maybe uh, Falcon will take it after. I don't know. But either way, Falcon does not keep the shield. U.S. Soldier gets it. And then we get this really fucking off-brand Captain America. And I think what's going to happen is that U.S. Soldier is going to fumble so fucking hard. And he's going to be such a huge fucking mess that the a primary the arc an arc some arc whatever is going to be falcon realizing no i have to do this i have to step up the country needs the symbol of captain america and this u.s soldier ass clown is not doing it so him and u.s soldier are going to squabble he's going to take the shield back u.s soldier is going to go probably get his goofy ass arrested or whatever and that's how we're going to get him sort of like in and out of there and we're going to get a uh, Falcon to actually be Cap. And I think that's also why, um, excuse me, I think that's why Captain America's name isn't on it yet. Because Falcon isn't Cap yet. But I do think that at the end of this, Falcon will be Cap. I, I think they need to do right by him. Because apparently in the comics, Falcon didn't have the best tenure as Captain America. I think they really need to do our boy right here. Um shit especially just do anthony mackie right man he got the short end on the stick on alter carbon season two early played my man that was not his fault that that shit was so fucking mid this is off topic but to all the people who like books comics grab whatever your favorite source of media is please for the love of everything stop holding movies shows and other visual media to the standards of books same with people who want video game adaptation movies to be good it's not possible and if you try and stick too close to the source material it's going to be a bad movie if you stray too far from it you're going to disappoint the book people but the reality is altered carbon season two was trying to stick to the book that it was based off of and it didn't translate well and now the show is fucking canceled so what was altered carbon season one was the Netflix show of the fucking year for me. <laughs> and I'm sure for other fans of similar, um, you know, before Cyberpunk made it a thing, Cyberpunk style uh, sci-fi. Well, really Blade Runner made it a thing, but we started calling it Cyberpunk because of Cyberpunk, but whatever, right? I'm sure someone's going to red ink that shit too. But the point being is that when we try too hard or when these studios try too hard to appeal to book people, we run into a shit show because books are designed to be consumed by the theater of the mind. You read, you imagine. There are allowed to be little details. There's allowed to be fluff. There's allowed to be like a book is allowed to be hours and hours and hours long because it's a thousand pages or whatever because it's a fucking novel. But a movie has to be about two and a half hours. And when you do that, stuff is going to be lost. A show can maybe be a 10 to 12 episode season of an hour a piece. 
but you can still lose shit. Like there are certain things that if you try and be too close to the source material, you're gonna fucking disappoint and it just hurts everyone in the process. All right. Anyway, back to uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. I really am interested in seeing what's gonna happen between Falcon and US Agent. Um, I don't really know what the fuck Bucky's doing there. I'm sure it's gonna be interesting, but I have no ideas for his arc unless that other villain dude, I don't know, it's just some more niggas with skulls or helmet skulls or whatever. That just seems to be bad guy 101, put on a Kevlar and a fucking skull, and now all of a sudden you're just another, another Marvel villain. Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's wild. But um, maybe he's going to have more connection to Bucky. Maybe that's something in some trailer that I didn't see. Remember, I watch a trailer and let go. Sometimes I don't watch all the trailers. I just wait for some shit to come out. I don't super duper deep dive on the theories. The only reason I even followed the US agent thing is because I had seen that guy before. Um, and some other Marvel stuff because uh, I was just kind of curious about all of the different Captain America style characters there are out there. I'm like, okay. And then when I saw him in the trailer, I'm like, oh shit, that's gotta be US agent. So I'm really interested to see how that goes. But there is um, with a new villain guy whose name I forget, sorry. Um, there's someone hanging out with him. It looks like a woman. I don't know, I gotta be careful. But I think it's a woman who's part of his gang or whatever. It looks like she's out there throwing hands with the boys. And I think she's going to be really interesting. I think she's going to have a bigger role than the main bad dude. But I also think they're going to put her into that sort of generic, oh, she wasn't really all that bad. Because you know how in movies and shows and shit, women never seem to be like evil, evil, evil. Like aside from Hela and Shorty from Gone Girl. <laughs> Yikes. Um, women characters are almost always just like a handsome white boy with a cape away from turning their lives around and joining the good guys team. You know what I mean? But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I'm on one a day, but I just am anyway. Um, so yeah, I'm interested to see how that goes. I think that, uh, regardless of where the story goes, this is going to be a very, very fade heavy show. Almost all of the Captain America movies were a lot more squabble heavy than the other other ones, a lot less CG, um, a lot better fight choreography, just certified hands. I still, one of my favorite fucking scenes in Civil War, favorite fucking scenes is when um, Black Widow is uh, fighting Crossbones or whatever the fuck his name was at the time. And this nigga grabs her, choke slams her into the back of that fucking APC, drops a grenade on her shit, and leaves. Like, that shit was just so wild and so dis And you don't see, you're never gonna see fights like that in the other, like, Marvel movies, because they're all about that sort of big CGI superhero action. You're not just gonna see some people out here just thumping, man. So. I think this is going to be a very thump heavy show and I'm excited to see that. I don't think it's going to be as much of a like mind thriller as WandaVision was. I don't think there's going to be a lot of theory crafting opportunities, but I think the fades are going to be high and I'm here for it. I am here to just sit there and watch a squabble. So hopefully, hopefully it doesn't disappoint. Again, it is dropping here soon. We should be seeing that, uh, in a few days from the point of this episode's release, it's coming out very, very soon. Very soon. You know what else is coming out very, very soon? 
the Snyder Cut of Justice League. Ooh. Let me be fair. Let me be fair. It is very, very possible, right? Possible, potentially, always a potentiality that on Earth 3, the Snyder Cut saves Justice League. Realistically, that shit is going to go from double plastic to quadruple plastic. Like, you can't take something that's mid and then give me four hours of it and expect that to make it unmid. Right? Like, the problems with the theatrical cut of Justice League were not that, oh, it was too short and that's why it sucked. You know what I mean? Like, is the Snyder Cut going to address that weird CGI that was Henry Cavill's face because they didn't want this nigga to shave his mustache for a movie that came out that no one saw? Did anybody see the movie where Henry Cavill had to keep his fucking mustache on? No? That's what I thought. Nigga, DC's pay your Superman nigga, shave your fucking face, bro. That CGI, it was like, I'm not going to sit up here and act like that CGI ruined the movie. But that was just one of those things where it's like, there's no amount of additional content that's going to make that not look weird. And this wasn't like, like there are films from like the late 90s, uh, early mid 2000s that have funky CGI because the tech wasn't there yet. This was something where like the tech wasn't there, but we didn't need to do that. This nigga could have just shaved his fucking face. So I get it. He was filming some. It would have been a lot easier to put a fake mustache on this nigga for the other movie that was more convincing <laughs> than to try and CGI the mustache off. Like people just, you know what? Let me relax. I am not in the film industry. I could be wrong, wrong, wrong. Um, remember, I'm just a nigga in front of a microphone. But that's still gonna be whack. The. the I have heard from some reviews that the sort of like knockoff Marvel vibe energy that was put into the theatrical cut is gone, but I don't know. I still, uh, I'm still skeptical. Ezra Miller, uh, that is Buddy who plays the Flash, right? Ezra Miller, I am a fan. I, I think he's entertaining and other stuff. Um, what do I feel like that's not his name? Whatever, maybe I'm wrong there, but the nigga who plays the Flash in Justice League, why does he run like that? Why does he one run like he's flopping as a, and like nobody was like, let me just look at this and be like, maybe that's not how our speecher, speedster hero should move his body. And they just left that in. And that's still gonna be in the fucking extended Snyder Cut. I know that those may sound nitpicky, but the reality is that if you saw that original Justice League, and this is not a Justice League related episode, trust me, I'm honestly trying to keep it short. There were so many things in that, or excuse me, so many things in that film that were a mess. That it wasn't just, oh, this plot was cut shorter, oh, this doesn't make sense, or whatever. That extending it out and cleaning up some of those loose ends and some of that bullshit, it will help, but I don't think it will save this movie. I, again, I could be wrong. Maybe I'm just a hater. There have been some reviews that have released already. Obviously, the, uh, the media gets to experience this shit before we do. And every review I've seen so far is the same people who stand for the theatrical release are standing for the Snyder Cut. So they were probably going to be happy regardless. And everyone else is like, well, the Snyder Cut is like putting a Band-Aid on a bullet wound. It does something, but not anything meaningful. And again, it's four fucking hours, man. 
It's four hours, and apparently it's just what Snyder did before he left. So it's like not even a polished, finished product. You know what I mean? It's just like all of the footage that was there, basically. And so I think there are going to be parts of it where it's jarring. I heard that it's actually like broken up into episodes with like literal like screen cards like, yo, chapter blah, blah, blah. I guess I don't know if that's to make it more manageable or if it was always intended to be that way. But we'll see. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to watch it. I am absolutely going to sit my goofy ass down for four hours and watch it. But I got to say, I am not expecting much. I really and truly am not expecting much. Moving forward, though, um, I've been seeing a lot of things lately that uh, some people refer to as Monday morning quarterbacking. You know, when um, when you see someone do something and then because you're seeing it afterward, you're seeing a recording or you're seeing it after you've experienced what has happened or you're seeing the full repercussions of those actions you're like oh well i would have or i they should have this that and the fucking third that shit is so fucking annoying man and you'll see it from people who are like grown if you're a kid i get that you may not like you may not understand yet that the reason why people may do things in a moment versus what you see after when you think you should have done. I could see why you may feel that way about something. And we are human. We're all capable of being like, oh, I wouldn't have done that. Or, oh, couldn't have been me. But what I'm talking about is like someone recently decided to start making fun of Terrence Howard again for what happened with Iron Man. So if you, for whatever reason, just don't know your black actors, shame on you, but whatever. Terrence Howard did play Rhodey in Iron Man 1. And then going forward, he was replaced by Don Cheadle. And people were dragging him for, oh, he should have done this, that, and the third. He shouldn't have said. He should have blah, blah, blah. Because Marvel made all this money, and now look at him. He didn't get no more movies, and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, well, in 2008, for one, no one knew the MCU was going to be a thing. And second off, did y'all forget that Iron Man 1 and... Dark Knight came out in the same year and Dark Knight stepped on Iron Man. Dark Knight was so Dark Knight wasn't just a better superhero movie, it was a better movie. Nobody was expecting fucking Iron Man to be the jump off point for the MCU. The concept of an MCU didn't even fucking exist. Like it just you know what I mean? And you also have to realize too that prior to Dark Knight not even the trilogy, just Dark Knight, because Batman Begins wasn't that nice either, honestly. Prior to Dark Knight, prior to Dark, uh, excuse me, Iron Man, we were still at that point where superhero movies, period, weren't being taken that seriously. The last serious superhero movies that we saw was like Blade. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, it's very, like, there had been a lot, there had been spawns, there had been mediocre Superman movies, there had been, I mean, even Punisher had a movie back then. Uh, like, there have been a lot of superhero attempts, and none of them were ever anything noteworthy. So no one no one could really say in 2008 that Iron Man was going to be something huge. And a lot of people are saying, well, like, I bet he wish he had all that money. And it's like, well, if the rumors are true, the reason he didn't get rehired is because he wanted more money and they didn't want to give it to him. So they can for someone else. 
And I feel like more than anything, he definitely deserved what he was asking for then, because the MCU did go on to fucking ruin the box office with how much money it fucking makes. And people were saying that he should have just shut up and took what he got because it was going to blow. He didn't know. You didn't know. Robert Downey Jr. didn't know. The niggas that were working on the shit at the time didn't know, or they probably would have fucking gave him the money because it wouldn't have been an unrealistic ask. And that's just the sort of shit that, like, almost piggybacking off a of last episode, honestly, it's like, people just be saying shit, man. There's some, I know, that's wild coming from a nigga with a podcast who's I'm literally just saying shit. <laughs> but people really just can't wait to have a ridiculous opinion on some shit where it's like, like, what the... You weren't in the moment, man. Yes, I can go watch my favorite fucking Destiny player or whatever shooter or video game or fighting game. I can go watch a pro player do some shit and be like, oh, damn, why didn't he do bun a bun a bun? Why didn't he do this combo and counter and dash dance and wave dash and all this other fucking shit? Whatever the fuck. Because I'm seeing it recorded. I'm seeing it afterward. I'm not sitting there while he's over here trying to play the game and play mind games with his opponent. His heart's racing. His hand's shaking. His, he's got money on the line. All this shit. I'm sitting at home with no pants on talking about, mm, I wouldn't have done that. Nigga, he's at the tournament. You're not. <laughs> Terrence Howard is a household. Like People know Terrence Howard. Some people don't, but more people know Terrence Howard than they know you, Midwest Mike. Shut your goofy ass up, man. So anyway, I just had to go off on that Monday morning quarterback and shit. Because it's like, well, the game was last night. You weren't down there on the field. So it doesn't fucking matter. I'm not even a sports nigga, but that's a, it just, it just sounds right. It just feels right. Moving over to something a little less spicy. Um, Nintendo might be working on a Switch Pro. Ooh. I'm a little excited about that. I'm a little excited about a Switch Pro. Um, I can't get too excited because Nintendo has constantly disappointed my type of gamer. Um, I do... It's weird because I'm not like a sweaty tryhard, but I'm not casual. And that's a weird feeling to be in because like... I've been gaming for a long time. Like, I got an N64 when I was, like, four. No, I just turned five that year. So I got an N64 for Christmas the year I turned five years old. Um, and, like, my aunt had an NES or my uncle. They weren't a couple. These are different sides of family. Like, my uncle's my mom's brother and my aunt's my dad's sister. So, oof, that would be awkward. But, hey, well, <laughs> incest is pretty big, maybe. But, you know, that's white people's... <laughs> I'm joking. Please don't cancel me, please. Please, please. Uh, <laughs> Yo, okay. Anyway, I've been gaming for a long time. And um, I've been doing a lot of things in gaming for a long time. You've heard me talk about how I started WoW in like 2005. Um, I've been playing video games online. I think I started my first online gaming in like 99. Like, I've been getting called the N-word on the internet for, like, 20 fucking years, <laughs> honestly. So, I've been doing this a long time, and because of that, and because of how I've played and stuff like that, I'm one of those good, not great players, but I'm also getting older, and games are a little less appealing in the way that, like, I may spend 
a decent amount of time gaming, but it'll be for something that's like turn-based or an RPG or something mellow that I can like know that I'm going to have fun with. Like I, I'm not going to sit here and play Twitch shooters for hours anymore. I do sometimes, but it's not the same thing. You know, my reflexes are not the same as a 19-year-old kid on Adderall. Um, I grew up in an era where gaming was something that our parents chastised us for. They're like, well, you're not going to get anything. You ain't going to do nothing with that game. You don't get nothing off that game. Turn that game off. Go bun up, bun up, And now there's literally people younger than us making more money than us playing fucking video games. But I'm not being a hater. I'm just saying, what is life? And the reason I say that is because right now, people like me fall into this category where we are definitely not casual players. We don't enjoy when games are extremely casual. We are better than, ca uh, ca excuse me. Yeah, we are significantly better than casual players, but great players will step on us and competitive players. It's like when you're watching an anime and the niggas is so strong that you can't see them no more. And so you just send them there. It's like, well, they say that there's a fight going on. I just can't see it. It's like, oh no. So like to be at that level where you're not God tier, but you're not casual is tough because gaming is being pushed towards casual. So it's not for you, but any game that has a competitive scene, you're not nice enough to really succeed there either. So you're in this spot where it's like when things are a little too competitive and sweaty, it's not fun for you. But when things are too casual, it's also not fun for you. And it's getting really hard to find that challenge and that desire to grow and that desire to put time and effort into a game to where you can still have fun in the middle because we're all well i don't want to say we but me and my friends the people that i socialize with and i value we're not the step on noobs and bots type of people don't get me wrong it happens there have definitely been times like I was playing Destiny recently and me and my buddy were playing pvp the crucible mercy the fuck out of some people excuse me a mercy is when you're beating the other team so bad that the guy who runs the matches in game his name is Shax Shax literally says I'm calling this match there's no way these niggas is coming back they're getting stepped on too bad we're not gonna finish this out it's over it's done y'all won so we we mercyed these niggas out um I got I went on a killing spree of like I didn't die at all um, they literally like you get medals in the game for going on sprees and doing shit like that and there's literally a medal from you going off so hard that it's called we ran out of medals and so for destiny players it's called a we ran so like to get a we ran and to mercy some people out and to where like you're stepping on them so bad that the game is over when you're at my level and you do that to people you know the people that you're doing that to shouldn't even be in a lobby with you and that's not really fun either like it's fun in the moment it's like yo i'm going off but the reality is it's like these kids are dealing with a super saiyan and they don't know how to fly yet but then there are niggas who were super saiyan god who are gonna put boots on my neck and that's not fun either and it's it just gets really hard sometimes to fall into that middle <laughs> i know i was talking about the switch pro I don't know where the fuck I went either, but fucking bear with me, okay? Um, oh, there we go. Nintendo being casual. Nintendo has, for the last few consoles, really aimed towards the casual consumer. That's what I was trying to get to. And by aiming towards the casual consumer, us middle folks are kind of left out 
competitive people have made at least Smash into something. But for the most part, if you're anything but casual in Nintendo's eyes, you're kind of not their target audience anymore. And it really sucks because a lot of us cut our teeth on Nintendo. A lot of us cut our teeth on Nintendo. You know what I mean? Perfect Dark, GoldenEye, Turok Rage Wars, the original Super Smash Brothers. All of that shit. That's what we started on. And to be in, excuse me, and to be in a situation where now you have this console that's, Nintendo has had underpowered consoles since the GameCube. Nintendo has increasingly stepped away from these other more, I guess, M-rated, typical, sweaty titles for a while. Their online services have been mediocre at best, netcode questionable, the the literal UI and UX experience terrible, all of that. Um, it's hard for me to have faith in them. It's hard for me to have faith in them for the Switch Pro that that's going to be something that I want um, as a not casual but not sweaty competitive gamer because i can enjoy animal crossing i can enjoy mario party i can enjoy smash i can enjoy mario kart all those things but if you still don't have good net code if you still don't have a competent fucking online user experience and you're charging me money for it like right now nintendo charges you for an online experience that's worse than ps2 online was 15 years ago and that was free so it's really it's hard to back them in that way. I am still interested to see what they do though. I am still interested to see how much of a hardware uh, performance bump it is, how much of a battery life bump it is. Um, I wanna see if this is gonna help out with a lot of games going cross-platform. Cross-platform is really big right now, really big. It's gonna be to the point where cross-platform isn't a thing, it just is. A game is out, this is what it's on, you can play, one, uh, play with everybody. And I think with that being the case, um, Switch is really looking shaky right now. Because if you go get on something like Apex Legends on the Switch, and there's a nigga with a fucking 3090, or sorry, an RTX 3090 in his PC with his fucking monitor running at 3000 hertz, and his gaming chair is just warming his head. Like, this guy is going to cook you. This guy is going to drag his dick across your forehead. He's going <laughs> Let me relax. This human being, regardless of what gender they are, they're gonna put their boot on your fucking neck. All right? And if they don't have boot, they're gonna find a boot to put on your neck. It's gonna be some Wraith TTV fucker who's gonna dunk on you. <laughs> You're gonna FedEx all your loot to this nigga and you had no chance. You're running on an inferior platform with inferior hardware and you don't take it that seriously. You're gonna somehow end up in a lobby with super sweat try hard TTV and he's gonna dunk on you for his one and a half viewers, bro. <laughs> That's gonna be your experience. And so it's gonna, I mean, even the Xbox and PlayStation guys get stepped on and cross platform from PC. I can tell you, I have a, like my buddy that I was talking about playing Destiny with, me and him were playing Call of Duty. I play that on PC, he plays that on Xbox, and he, it's just, he's not that type of gamer. So when he was seeing even just some of the movement and flicks and shit I was able to do with a mouse and keyboard compared to a controller, it's like, bro, what the fuck? And it's like, yeah, you just, there's just certain things that you can do with a pad, or sorry, certain things that you can do with a mouse and keyboard with that type of game. So I think the Switch Pro is going to be a way to at least bump the Switch performance up to 
what a little closer towards what we're going to be seeing out of the uh, the newest PlayStation and Xbox offerings. But much like the newest in PlayStation and Xbox, you probably won't even be able to get a fucking Switch Pro. Still can't get a P5. Still can't get an Xbox Series X. You don't think the scalpers gonna buy up the fucking Switch Pro? They will. As soon as they saw the leak, the bitch didn't even announce yet. As soon as they saw the leak, they ready. I guarantee you, they could be like, all right, officially announced Switch Pro, $450. Them shits are gonna be sold out everywhere and on StockX for $1,500 medium, or excuse me, $1,500 minimum, because that's just where we're at in the world right now. Right next to uh, the RTX 3080 I saw for $2,000. Right next to the, I did see a P5 for $900, but fuck them. I'm not fucking paying them. <laughs> I'm not doing it. Um, so yeah. And I mean, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe Nintendo would do something though. Um, Need for Speed 2021 got delayed. And um, it feels like between that and Gran Turismo, I'm just not going to have a new racing title to play this year. And at least Need for Speed was going to come out on PC, so I would have actually been able to play it. But at this point, I might just wait until everything comes out next year to get it for my now at that point fucking two year old P5 that I couldn't get at launch because someone just I had to feed my family because their family subsists off of PlayStation 5 parts. <laughs> I know it sounds like I'm beating a dead horse, but the shit is nutty. But it's really weird with this delay. This delay is coming from, so I guess the team who was supposed to be working on Need for Speed 2021 got pulled from that game to go help with the next Battlefield game. So apparently these guys have helped with Battlefield before, but it seems weird that a team, because Criterion is developing the next Need for Speed. Criterion is known for a few previous Need for Speed games, but not a ton and the Burnout series more, uh, most popularly, or most notably, whatever. So, which, shit, even talking about that, their Need for Speed games just felt like Burnout, but not Burnout anyway, so I don't know what the fuck I was expecting. But to be a little more positive, it makes sense to have the driving game guys do Need for Speed. It doesn't make sense to put them on Battlefield. Um, maybe they know some shit I don't, but I feel like Unless there's going to be, unless they need some help with the vehicle dynamics or something. I don't get, unless it's going to be fucking Battlefield Fast and Furious. But who knows? Who knows? Maybe this will be something that really makes the next Battlefield a good game. Because Battlefield 5 wasn't great. Um, I'm not going to dive into the political aspects of that game on this episode. But it wasn't a good game mechanically. And I'm going to go ahead and say that now. And actually, you know what? I will talk about the political aspect a little bit. If the quote-unquote political things about Battlefield Five made you want to say, I'm not going to play the game because it's not authentic to the World War II experience, you can go play in traffic. But actually don't play in traffic because you might ruin somebody else's day who's just trying to get to work. Go fall off your nearest cliff. Thank you. Anyway, back to, uh, back to gaming. Um, EA is the publisher, Electronic Arts, of the publisher for Need for Speed, Battlefield, whole bunch of shit, right? Big evil corporation. They also recently acquired Slightly Mad Studios, who has made a couple Need for Speed games in the past, made Project Cars. So if they have those guys and they have Criterion, uh, 
And to my knowledge, DICE is still doing Battlefield. I don't get why Need for Speed is getting delayed here. It almost feels like there's something else going on and they're just kind of like spinning it as, oh, well, they just needed help on this other thing, so we're not touching Need for Speed. I think it's because Need for Speed has been on fucking life support for the last 15 years. The last really good Need for Speed game was in 2005. And I know some people are going to call me a boomer for that, but like you can look at the sales. Need for Speed Underground 1, Underground 2, and Most Wanted from 2003, 2004, and 2005 respectively were the highest grossing Need for Speed games ever. Need for Speed Underground 1 is my favorite racing game. I play through those games at least once a year. And it's not just nostalgia. They were better games. There's some old fucking mid-2000s jank that comes with them, sure. But they were definitively better games. And Need for Speed has suffered for whatever the fuck EA is doing now. And I think that's the only reason why they would ever consider delaying the release of a game that was already on a two-year cycle. If that delay also means that it's not even being worked on? Because like if you pull the team away from is it is the project just collecting dust? Like is Need for Speed gonna die? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But hey, at least I will have some new games to play for my P5, right? Because that's the best part about the P5. Even if you fucking get one, there's no fucking games to play. Almost everything you can play on a P5, you can play on a P4. And the stuff that you can't that I want to play at least isn't even really new. Like, I really want to play the Demon Souls remake, but it's a remake of a PS3 game. So, ooh, I'm just so positive this pod. I swear this is just commentary on the state of certain things, not just me being a negative Nancy, but me being a little bit of a negative Nancy. Um, I did want to turn into something car-related, though. Ooh, a car podcast talking about cars. Hold on, wait a minute. Um... Audi is no longer making combustion engines. Going forward, let me break this down a little bit. Going forward, Audi is no longer making any new internal combustion engines. So that doesn't mean that starting tomorrow, all new Audis are gonna be electric. That's not true. When engines are built for car companies, there's a lot of, there's a huge amount of production and research and development and all that other stuff for a new engine design each time a new engine design is built. So what they're doing is they're no longer designing any new combustion engines. They're going to take everything that's been designed so far. They're basically going to modify it and adapt it going forward for the next few years until those phase out. And any new, brand new from ground up engine design from Audi is going to be electric. I don't know how I feel about this. I knew it was inevitable, but I still feel like it's a little soon. Again, they're probably still going to be working with their current generation of gasoline engines for a while, so it's fine, but. Mm, I mean, it's like how I talked about last time. The shit's coming. Whether we fucking want to or not, it's coming. And, um,. You know, Audi did, they did announce or they shown their e-tron GT, which is like this big electric sedan that's like based around the Porsche Taycan, but it's all electric and it's kind of the same size of a Taycan, but kind of the same size of an A7. It's not a bad looking car, but it's electric. And they're, one of their big things is how they pipe in all the sound to the driver to make it sound like what? Nigga, it's a fucking electric vehicle. If you have to fake it, something's wrong. We've been having to do. 
We've been having to fake so many car sounds lately because everyone's been putting four-cylinder cars in sports cars, and four-cylinders for a lot of people don't sound rah, rah, rah enough, so we have to fake that, but it, it still sounds like what it sounds like. An electric car still sounds mostly like nothing. And so it seems strange that Audi's releasing this. Yes, it's a $100,000 vehicle, by the way. Yes, you could go get your fucking Tesla or actually just go get a Porsche Taycan for Taycan, Taycan, whatever the fuck can for the same price. And I don't know. And you, you get like 200 miles of range, which seems weird because like at that price point, like when you're buying a $100,000 vehicle, I don't think your like gas mileage is a concern. Like, I don't think your fuel economy is a concern. I think you buy a $100,000 vehicle as a status symbol, question mark, you know, like at least that kind of $100,000 vehicle, right? Like I want an R34 GTR someday. And by the time I'll be able to get one and they're legal in here in the United States, it's probably going to cost me a hundred grand, but I'm also going to buy my GTR to drive it because I got it because it's some hot boy shit. But it's also probably not going to be my daily driver, so I guess it's right back in the same thing. I don't know. Maybe some people are going to be driving their fucking Porsche Taycan every day back and forth to work. Not their Porsche Taycan. Same shit. Their Audi, e-tron, or whatever. And I gotta admit, it's not a bad-looking car, you know? It's almost like they heard my last episode because really it doesn't look like an electric car at all. Um, except it doesn't have exhaust coming out the rear, obviously. But they really tried to hide the fact that this bitch is a, a battery-powered Jetsons mobile. But um, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> and you know what? Speaking of uh, GTRs and Need for Speed, I recently started playing through Need for Speed Underground 2 again. And this is so wild. So I just mentioned to you that a GTR is like a, an R34 GTR is like a $100,000 car. Almost like you can get them for like 70 right now, but there's never been a way in the United States to get an R34 GTR for less than stupid amount of money. Like if you found one for 50 grand, you was robbing a nigga at gunpoint basically, or it wasn't like federally legal. And like the R35 GTR, these are Nissans, by the way, if you don't know, the R35 GTR, which is one that actually sells legal out here. I think the cheapest it's ever been new is like 80. I think the absolute like the new one when it first came out in the late 2000s was uh, under 100. But now I don't even think you can get them new for under 100 grand. But the point being, these are like relatively high-end sports cars, not cheap cars, right? And when you start Day for Speed Underground 2, the little like prologue opening cutscene or whatever is like your character mobbing around in this fucking R34 GTR and you're like crushing ass and winning all these races or whatever. Then some rando who apparently has beef with you, T-bones you and like wrecks out your fucking car. Rip. Your car gets wrecked out and then you like progress through the story like 10 fucking minutes and then you go to this like little podank ass car dealership and this chick that's like your friend now or whatever is like hey uh so the insurance payout from your car crash came out and you have enough money to buy any of these cars here and your options for cars are like a 240 a nissan 240sx a mazda miata a honda civic a ford focus a Toyota Corolla. Nigga, these are not... If someone wrecks my $100,000 GTR 
and then gives me $9,000 as the insurance payout. It says, go get a fucking 1998 Mazda Miata. I'm stabbing up everybody at the insurance company. Like, I'm going to their corporate building with a machete and a dream and probably some shit in my system. So I have the energy to stab up everybody, man. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, I know it's just a video game, but, like, it's just really funny to think about. It's really funny to think about. I did mention on the last episode that, hey, if you got any questions, suggestions, comments, reach out to me. And uh, somebody reached out. Wow. Thank you. Um, so it was actually a pretty simple and pretty safe one. Um, what car to buy if you want something that's, like, fun slash potential project for about five bands, right? And so five bands is a safe amount. Maybe you had a little bit of money in the bank. Maybe uh, Moneybag Joe blessed you with that stimmy. You know what I mean? So you got a little extra money on you. And um, I did put together a short list, a very short list. Um, I did keep the list short because I don't want it to be overwhelming for one. And for two, a lot of things have moved around, man. There used to be like some hard and fast rules of what you could get for five grand few years ago and it just it's not the same anymore um like i mentioned on the last episode the market and everything that you thought you knew or loved is going nutty so just keep an eye on it just be ready to see some really questionable shit like um i have an integra gsr um it's a 96 clean title um everything is vin matching when i bought it it had I think 120, 130,000 miles, pretty low mileage, um, leather interior. The only thing that it didn't have that was stock, um, it didn't have the stock wheels. It had some shitty aftermarket wheels on them, which does suck. But everything else was like all stock. And I paid $4,800 for that car. And that was in 2015. You cannot find that deal anymore. And if you do, well, you might. If someone doesn't know what they have, they're a crackhead, they, I shouldn't joke about crackheads, but like, that is not a regular purchase anymore. Like, there was, five, six years ago, there was a point where you could, for five bands or less, guaranteed walk away with a clean GSR. And those days are pretty much fucking gone. So, that's why I kind of had to update the list. Um, and so the way that this list, uh, goes, there are some key, this list is in order. And there are some key things that um, determine why a car ends up where it does on the list. So those factors are going to be affordability. And it's not just does it fall into the price range. Can you get it all day, every day at that price? If you wanted to listen to this pod and next week say, I want to go take Mac Nero's advice and get one of these cars. Can you find it and buy it? Yes. It has to be a yes or it doesn't fall on this list. Now... Asterisk. If you live in the middle of bumfuck and you can't find it, sorry. This is no disrespect to people who live in the middle of fuck, but I just, sometimes you just gotta be clear with shit. You know what I mean? This is under the assumption you lived in a populated area where these things are actually sold. So, you know, your mileage may vary. So, affordability, reliability, fun factor, and then aftermarket potential, excuse me, aftermarket support and um, build potential. So I put these 
in order and the cars themselves are going to be in order because being able to get the car is important first making sure the car is reliable is definitely on the list high on the list because this isn't something where I want you to run off and get it and be mad about your purchase or it's sitting in your driveway or it's constantly breaking or you spend three grand on the car, but you have it for two months and now it costs you $7,000 and some repairs or whatever. That shit's no fun, right? Fun factor. You're getting something like this because you want to go have fun with it. You just want to go have fun and, and mob around with it. Um, aftermarket support. This is something that Realistically, all these cars are going to be things that you're looking at as like a project. You're going to want to modify them, throw things at them, whatever. Even if it's just light modification, you want it to be easy. You want the parts to be available, plentiful, not a lot of shit that you got to do yourself and figure out and all that other stuff. And then the build potential is if you want to get wild, how easy is it to get wild? This kind of goes a little more hand in hand with aftermarket, uh, excuse me, aftermarket support in the sense that usually cars with more aftermarket support are going to have an easier time getting wild with the build there's going to be a lot more things that you're able to do because a bigger aftermarket means the heavy lifting's been done for you because there's probably hey i want to make this car all-wheel drive there's a kit for it hey i want to put this engine in it there's a kit for it hey i want it it's there for you to do make sense great so the first car on the list and you know I had to put it there. It's going to be the Acura Integra. I know, I know. Of course, a mega with an Integra is going to put the Integra at the top. But hear me out. From 1994 to 2001, they made DC4 Integras. So that means any Integra that's not a GSR, like mine, or an Integra Type R, like what I wish mine was sometimes, um, is a DC4. So those don't have VTEC motors, but you still get a lot of the good Integra things. You can still get a five-speed manual transmission. You still get a 1.8 liter dual overhead cam engine. You still get double wishbone suspension. You still get four-wheel disc brakes. You get a lot of sporty structural things. These are all things that set a car up to be a good platform to go crazy with. And kind of keying into that uh, build potential that I mentioned before, if you want to put a Type R engine into one of these non-Type R Integras, you can. And it's very easy because most of the bones are already there. It's a really easy swap to do. Um, I put this one at the top because it has the perfect blend of all of these things. You can find a non-VTEC Integra um, in good condition, not clapped out. All the interior panels are there. None of that dumb shit, not salvage title, you know, shit like that. You can find one of these for like three to four grand all day, every day. Um, like if you want a coupe, you want a sedan, whatever it is, you can find them five speed, clean title, good to go all day, every day. Um, there are some outliers. Maybe if it's a really rare color or if the guy who's selling it is off his fucking gourd. <laughs> Sometimes you won't be able to find them that way. But for the most part, if you wanted an Integra next week, you could have one. Um, it's Honda. It's a Honda engine. It's bulletproof. It'll last you forever. Only thing that I recommend that's a huge maintenance thing on those is that um, around 150,000 miles, give or take, if you haven't had the timing belt done on it yet or the previous owner didn't, just make sure you get that done. But otherwise, that motor will last you forever. Aftermarket support is there in droves. Um, Hondas are big when it comes to aftermarket tuning culture. They're a staple. If you need, if you want to do anything to a Honda, aftermarket support build potential, it is there. Fun factor, 
Um, these aren't the fastest cars in the world, but they're lightweight. They have good transmissions. They handle really well. If you take it on a back road, take it to an autocross, take it to a track, you can have a good time and you don't need a lot of modification to do so. Um, you know, there's going to be some things that you need to make sure that the car can handle certain things, more rigorous work, but for the most part, a good, reliable Integra can do a lot of those things and have a good time at it. The next car on the list is going to be the Mazda Miata. I know I, I almost put civics here, but I had to bump up the Miata over the civics. And the reason I bumped the Miata up to second is because the Miata affordability, you can still find a, so the NA and NB Miatas, those were from 19, I think from 1989 was the first Mazda Miata in the United States up until about the year 2002, I think is when the NB stopped. They went for so fucking long, man. But you you have a really wide range to get these early Miata, these early Mazda Miatas in good condition. But they are also they're kind of creeping up out of that range. But to get one that's not clapped out, you can get one still for about four bands. If you, but you have to be a little more patient. So they're available, not as available as an Integra. They're also reliable, not as reliable as Honda, because fucking damn near nothing is as reliable as Honda. But the reliability is there. What really bumped these up to second, though, is the fun factor. You get a lightweight rear-wheel drive vehicle, top-down if you're into convertibles. If not, you can keep it up, whatever. Um, and this really just, like, go-kart-like package where whereas something like an Integra or a Civic might need a little more modification to really pull the fun out of it if you're not driving, like, one of the hot boy models. The stockest, slowest like 1.6 liter, 109 horsepower Miata can still be very fucking fun. It has a level of fun that's hard to beat. It still has a huge aftermarket. Not quite Honda huge, but very huge aftermarket. And the build potential is crazy. Matter of fact, the build potential is so crazy that a lot of people are taking Honda engines and putting them into Miata. And if you want a fucking cheap, bulletproof, fast combination of a car, you take a Miata and put a Honda K-Series engine in it, Honestly, that shit is God tier. It really is. So that puts the uh, Mazda Miata in second place. Third place, I kind of give it away, is going to be the Honda Civic. So specifically, this is going to be the uh, fifth and sixth generation Honda Civics. So from 92, 1992 to about the year 2000 is when those Civics were out. The reason that these fall a little lower than the Integras is they are very functionally similar. Integras and Civics of these generations share a lot of components, specifically the fifth generation Civic, 92 to 95, and the DC Integra, 94 to 01. There are so many overlapping components with those parts that like, I could take the suspension off of my Integra and put it on a 93 Civic and it'll just bolt right up. Like it's that similar. Um, so very, very similar cars. The thing is, is that in the United States from the factory, they're all less sporty. They have single cam engines, which are more reliable, which like if you take regular Honda reliability and shoot it through the fucking roof, the single cam Hondas are nutty. Like I used to work at a Jiffy Lube. It was a low point in my life. We all make mistakes. Life happens. I was just trying to get paid. And this lady came into a Jiffy Lube with a single cam Civic. Your boy pulls the dipstick out, right? We got to check the oil before we get busy. Pull the dipstick. Nothing. 
I'm like, that can't be right. Maybe she went and got one of those cheap aftermarket dipsticks. It's not reading right. But he goes under to drain the oil. Drip, drop, drip. Nothing fucking comes out of there. This bitch was running on a dream. Not even a hope and a dream. Just a dream. <laughs> not hopes and dreams, plural. Not a prayer, nothing. Just a singular fucking dream, man. And we filled it up and lady drove off and everything was fine. So that's what I'm talking about when it comes to reliability. Because of the nature of them being for one single cam and for two super duper plentiful commuter cars, they're fucking everywhere. They have the aftermarket support that comes with Honda. Their fun factor is a little lower just because I feel like being both front wheel drive and single cam, some of them can be really underpowered. Like you can have fun with them, but you're probably gonna wanna swap the motor or put a turbo on or do something. This is what puts them below the uh, Integra and the Mazda Miata. But the Honda Civic is a good alternative if you like Integras or if you like Hondas, but maybe the Integra isn't for you and you want to do something similar, but, you know, different. A lot of times you'll hear people say that Hondas are like Legos. A lot of parts swap over pretty much any potential that an Integra has, a Honda Civic of that generation has. It's just that the Integra is a stronger base platform. So if you're not looking to go OD with it and swap motors and add turbos and do all this other wild shit, the Integra is the option to take if you just want to take a car, maybe do a couple light things to it and be like, boom, my car's good enough. A Civic might need a little more work to get to that point to where you really enjoy it, at least that generation of Civic. Option number four is actually a bit of a sleeper, definitely a sleeper. Toyota Celica GTS. So from 2000 to about 2005, Toyota made the Celica GTS. Um, it was one of those cars that was like, it was kind of popular in like the uh, Fast and Furious era, like the early Fast and Furious era, but fell off pretty quickly. And it ended up getting replaced by the Scion TC. But you get a car that has a six speed manual, like almost 200 horsepower, um, and it's a fucking Toyota. We go right back to that reliability question. It's there. This one is lower on the list for two reasons, though. Um, its availability is lower. Um, they only made them for a few years. GTS models with six-speed transmissions were pretty rare. You see a lot of automatic GT models. That is not the car you want to buy. A GT period is not the car you want to buy. You got to get that GTS. It's like a 40 horsepower difference and a whole lot of other shit. But the big difference is, or the point is, get the GTS. Don't even look at a GT. So you want to get the GTS. They didn't make that many of them, so they're a little harder to find. But when you do find them, they are should be in good condition in this price point. And the aftermarket support is a little smaller. Um, and with the aftermarket support being smaller, um, the build potential is smaller as well. If you ask me, um, the engines are, the engines in the Celicas are good if you're keeping it simple, but if you're one of those people that's like, oh, I gotta have a thousand horsepower, good fucking luck, man. Those engines do not like that sort of shit. Um, and there's just a lot of things that like, like for Hondas, there's a kit and including the Mazda Miata. This also extends to some Nissans. Some cars have such good aftermarket potential. You can sit there and be like, man, 
I did some wild shit when I was playing Forza Motorsport on my Xbox 10 years ago. I wonder if I can do that in real life. And on some of these fucking Hondas, there's a kit to do all of that. On some of these, some of these Toyotas, there's a kit to do that. But the Celica is just one of those cars that never quite got that love. So while you can do the crazy shit, it's not beginner friendly crazy shit. And so that's why it gets knocked lower on the list, even though as a base platform, stock for stock for stock, this is the best car, fastest car, best handling car, most modern car on the list for the money. But it falls in there for a reason. You know what I mean? Last option is going to be the Acura RSX slash Honda Civic SI EP. So, whoa, you put the Acura RSX solo? I thought you loved that car. Now, let's be clear. I did not say Type S, right? So, bit of background in case you didn't know, the Acura RSX is actually the fourth generation Acura Integra. In the United States and in Canada, and I think those are the only places, they changed the name, but everywhere else in the world, it remained the Integra. In case you haven't noticed, I love Integras. Um, but the base RSX, is like the base non-VTEC Integra, whereas the Type S RSX is like the GSR slash Type R Integra almost. The Type S RSX is a little different. It's kind of, it's hotter than a GSR, but not quite a Type R. Uh, we never got the Type R in the United States, so they gave us a little more in our Type S, but the Type R is still a better car, but it's not as huge of a gap, I think, as it was with the third generation Integras. But I'm getting a little off topic here. The reason that the uh, base RSX and the base Civic come in last place here is that, um, well not base Civic, excuse me, Civic SI. The 2000, uh, 2002 to 2005 Civic SI um, and the 2002 to 2006 base RSX Type S, they both share a lot of components, just like the Integras and Civics of old, similar suspension, um, almost identical engines. When I say almost identical, there's like one part that's different. But if like, if your engine blew up in your RSX, you need a new one, they might put a Civic engine in there and you wouldn't even fucking know. Like it's that serious. Or excuse me, it's that similar. So very, very similar cars, a lot of overlap. Like the steering wheel's the same. Like it's very, very similar architecture underneath there. Just one is more of a traditional coupe look and the other one's more of a traditional hatchback look. So it's more of a personal preference thing. And the EP Civic has a weird, shifter but we'll get to that in another video excuse me we'll get to that in another episode i am on platforms where there's technically a video component but we're not really there. anyway <laughs> um when we are looking at these cars the reason they fall in is that availability is great finding these cars is pretty easy at this point because this version of the Civic wasn't the most popular and everyone wanted the Type S version of the RS, or excuse me, of the RSX. So finding a base that's not beat to shit at this price point is very easy. But um, there, and the reliability is great, excuse me, gotta stick to you. The reliability is great, Honda reliability, you don't have to worry about that. But their fun factor is a little lower. These engines have about 160 horsepower, um, but these cars weigh pretty much more than everything on the list, except for maybe the Celica, but the Celica still has more horsepower than that. So their, their fun factor is a little on the low side um, compared to everything else here, but they still have the same um, aftermarket potential and build potential as their hotter counterparts. So just like, yeah, the base RSX isn't a type R, 
but if it's more of that if you can dream it, you can build it sort of thing it's still a honda if you want to do a wild swap it's out there if you want to turbo it it's out there if you want to everything the kits are out there everything's out there for you to take it to the next level you can even get depending on how you are if you're like a real deal like oh, i just want to build this from the ground up and blah blah, blah you can get this rsx or this civic drive it around for a couple of years because again this will be reliable af you can drive it around for a couple of years these engines are not timing belt motors like in the older hondas they switch to timing chains so even like that big like oh get the timing belt done at 150 you ain't gotta worry about that and timing chains in these don't stretch like if it does stretch you have bigger problems so you have that reliability you have a car that's more modern reliable easy to drive comfortable all this other stuff you can mod that around for a couple of years or however long save up some money get yourself a k24 or get yourself a turbo kit or whatever you want to drop that in there and you go from having this car that has 160 horsepower to like 500. again that is a little od and right now we're just focusing on what you can do with this five grand in this moment but um this car these cars make it onto the list barely because their build potential is high and their availability and reliability are high but their base fun factor it's i'll admit it's not going to be super duper duper exciting um, it's not going to feel as fast, as agile, as light as some of the other cars because it's going to be faster in a straight line than a Miata. Everything on this list will be, but the Miata is going to just be so much fun when you get that thing swinging around and you can't beat that sometimes. The Integra drives a, a strikes a good balance. The Civic, depending on which one, strikes a good balance. So, yeah, that's um, I think that's the list. Obviously, there were some other options that could have made the cut um i think if i had to do a runner-up i think the second generation mitsubishi eclipse is a good runner-up um that car was in the original fast and furious movie the green one that brian drives when he loses that drag race and then johnny tran and him shoot the shit out of that car later that's that's the second generation eclipse that car didn't make the cut for a couple of reasons that car came in wildly different versions. There is a front wheel drive non-turbo version with a Chrysler motor in it. Chrysler is the same as Dodge, is the same as Jeep. They're all in that big group um, with a Chrysler motor in it. That's fairly unremarkable. It's reliable from what I've heard, more reliable than you would think from an American four cylinder of the era, but it's slow as shit. So it's not fun and the aftermarket support for, or excuse me, the aftermarket support for it because it's not the right engine sucks. And you're just sitting there wishing you had got the car with the engine it was designed for because it's heavier than the Hondas with equal or less power than the Hondas and less aftermarket support. It's just not great if you're looking for a fun driving experience or good build potential without you having to overcorrect your budget later on to really get something nice out of it so that's the cheap affordable plentiful version they came with a front wheel drive turbo and an all-wheel drive turbo that literally have like mitsubishi lancer evolution motors in them well like kind of tuned down like baby versions but it's an evo engine if we if we're keeping it a bean um but those the range on them is nuts if you want the all-wheel drive gsx manual turbo all of that those can go anywhere from five grand for the most clapped out thing you've ever seen in your fucking life to 15 grand and that we're just not doing that you can find gsts but 
typically at five grand, if it's a hard top, it's going to be automatic or clapped out or both. And if it's not a hard top and automatic, it's going to be a convertible or it's going to be a convertible automatic and clapped out all of the above. And you might like a convertible, but you know, sometimes these old convertibles, you got to deal with the, uh, it's an old soft top. It might leak. It might have a tear. It might need this replace. You know, it's just more potential headache for these 20 year old, 30 year old cars that people don't always take the best care of. And when you're getting into that $5,000 price point, most of this comes from, Hey, you spend three to 4,000 on the car. So you can use that last thousand on the necessary maintenance because every used car needs something done on the necessary maintenance to make sure that this 30 year old car you just bought is not going to fucking piss oil all over someplace and leave you stranded or something's not going to break or whatever. These are really good and reliable cars, but things just fail over time. And so you want to have that buffer. And because of all of the variables with the Eclipse, because in order to get a GST, you may also have to get a convertible, which is going to be heavier and have less chassis rigidity and all that other stuff. And it might be automatic. It's like, well, an automatic isn't fun. That's why I didn't make the cut. Um, you can see that I didn't add in any European cars. European cars at this price point are not beginner friendly. You can get a Golf, you can get a Jetta, you can get an, or sorry, you can get a Volkswagen Golf or Jetta. You can get an older BMW 3 Series, but they still cost European amounts of money to fix if you don't know how to do everything yourself. And um, things are going to go wrong in ways that they won't on Honda. So they didn't make the cut. Uh, you can see not a lot of American cars made the cut. Um, you used to be able to get a uh, Fox body Ford Mustang 5 liter V8 all day every day in this price range that is long gone if you do find one it is clapped clapped and we're not looking at clapped cars um the dodge neon srt4 is it has the potential to be one of the fastest cars you can get for the money but it also has the potential to be one of the most clapped out headache ridden cars you can get for the money and even if you do find a decent example, Dodge put all of the money into that car, into the engine and drivetrain. I don't know if all of them came like this, but a lot of Neon SRT4s have crank windows. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, and I'm not saying some of these Hondas don't come with it, but you, when you pick up a certain car, sometimes you have to sit there and think like, do I really want to deal with this super cheap economy plastic interior and crank windows? And deal with the fact that I'm driving a Dodge Neon. Like, no offense to Neon lovers. I'll be honest. I, I, if I raced a Dodge Neon SRT4 right now, if his shit ran properly, he, he would he would give me the give me the business. But I still wouldn't trade cars with Buddy. So that's subjective. But I think if we're talking about reliable, affordable, um, high fun factor, all those things combined, good aftermarket support, just doesn't make it. Um, Chevy made the Cobalt SS. I mean, 200, I think a 205 horsepower, supercharged, coupe. I mean, those things had some hustle to them. Uh, the early models. The later models were stupid fast. They had like 200, like almost 300 horsepower, turbocharged coupe, but they're really hard to find. You're not finding them in this price range. But this is, again, another car where it's like the American car companies, when they would make these little hot, like sport compacts, they would forego everything that the driver experienced on the inside give you a good engine, good transmission, sometimes good suspension, um, and leave it at that. 
they were good handling cars, good performing cars. I can't really speak on their reliability. I don't know. I haven't heard bad things, but I haven't heard good things. And uh, their availability is okay, but their aftermarket support will never compete with some of the more like classic tuner cars. Um, and their build potential because of it will suffer. But if you want something that's a little more unique, you do have that option there. And then, I mean, you could maybe get a Nissan 350Z. You'll hate your life for it because it's going to be clapped to shit. You could maybe get a Mazda RX-8. You'll hate your life. It'll be clapped to shit. You can maybe get um, a second generation Mazda RX-7 or even a first generation early Mazda RX-7s. They probably won't be turbo and they probably will be clapped to shit. So, you know, that's why, like, I'm not going into this runner-up list to, like, necessarily, like, make a statement. It's more so to prove, like... If you heard my five and you're like, oh, it's a Honda guy recommending all these fucking Hondas. Well, what about blah, blah, blah. These are all cars. Because remember, the Miata is high on the list. The Celica should be higher on the list, but there are some things holding it back. These are all cars that if you wanted to go get one next week, spend some money on it, do your little maintenance on it, do your oil change, do your plugs, do your basic shit, and then drive that bitch and put another 30,000 miles on it. You'll be good and all you'll need to do is put gas in it and maybe replace the tires if they're shit in that time. Well, I mean, in like your oil changes and basic maintenance. Preventative maintenance, please. Everyone do that. Take care of your fucking cars. But like, that's why these cars made that list because you can do all those things. They're manual. They're reliable. They're fun. And it's, it's getting real hard to find all of that regularly, consistently in a car for $5,000 or less where you're not buying someone else's headache. So that's how those, uh, that's how those cars made the list. But hey, maybe um, maybe in the future we'll have a list where the budget gets bumped up to like seven grand. Maybe we can jump all the way to 10. Ooh, maybe I can talk about what I would do if I had $10,000 in a dream, huh? Not saying that I can't come up with 10 grand from aggressively saving and selling all this GameStop stock. I'm saying, <laughs> that's a, it's a joke, it's a joke, but. You know, if I had no money and had to build a project for 10 grand, ooh, maybe I could talk about that a little bit. Or I could talk about how my RSX got stolen. Who knows? But this episode is, it's about that time, man. Uh, this one has been the longest one yet. If your brain has turned into mush from all the car talk, I apologize. Not really. It's a car podcast. But thanks again for listening. Thanks again for sticking around. Um, you can find me everywhere you can think of at Mac Nero, Twitter, Instagram, not Facebook. Sorry, but maybe sometimes Facebook. I don't fucking know. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, uh, whatever game you're playing, Steam, uh, Battle.net, whatever. If you see a Mac Nero, it's probably me. And if it's not me, report that clown for trying to run off of my fucking name. Anyway, thanks again for listening. And, uh. See you next time.